Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we are doing a question answer episode. So we, uh, we've had some questions submitted that have kind of started to pile up, so I thought I would just kind of get to as many as I could in this episode. And then also I want to talk about Christian Wood. He just signed with the Lakers last night. I want to talk about what he brings to the table and what uh, you know strengths and weaknesses and expectations because I believe he was pretty much the last notable free agent. I could there might be like one or two guys that I'm I'm forgetting, but he was like the main guy just in terms of like offensive talent and I guess like notoriety that hadn't been signed yet. So we're going to get to some fan questions and then uh, we'll talk about Christian Wood to the Lakers. So. Uh, first one, which player do you think has more value on high end teams? Gobert versus Brooke Lopez. A few of you, <laughs> this is just extra in the, in the question a few years ago, I wouldn't even have thought that this, uh, was a good comparison or a crazy question, but I think the value of Brooke stretching the floor on offense makes it legit and he's still an elite rim protector. So the question is, Brooke Lopez on Rudy Gobert on a team, I guess we'll say in the playoffs, right? Uh, that'll be an easier way to simplify that. So um, thanks for the question. Hmm, I was thinking about this, and I think you're right, right? So this is uh, from at Neutral B-Ball on Twitter. I think you're right. A few years ago, you would have just picked Gobert because the defensive impact was so insane that was when he was just rattling off defensive players of the year it's different now so both players are in their 30s i think brooke lopez is like somewhere around the age of 36 i think gobert was 31 or something last year so they're both in their 30s they're both i guess you'd say older players brooke lopez is kind of getting close to the cliff where you're like how much longer can he keep up this this really high defensive impact because basically since he's gotten to the bucks he's been extremely good on defense and then the difference with brooke is he started shooting a lot of three-pointers offers some spacing is a pretty legit i would say he's a top 10 big in terms of three-point shooting and then gobert offensively there's play finishing right he's going to give you like 15 points a game on on pretty good efficiency there's some offensive rebounding in there there's some lob finishing things like that but brooke lopez is able to you know just post up more right because he was like a post scorer the first half of his career and then he's able to stretch it on offense he's pretty versatile offensive big so it goes to defense right where like you said uh a couple years ago, Gobert winning Defensive Player of the Year year after year. Brooke Lopez, super close this year. He came – I don't know what he actually came in. I think he he should have come in second behind Jaron Jackson Jr. He was unreal at the rim. Both these guys still have pretty great rim protection. And I think that's a pretty good question because I think prior to this season, I probably would have taken Rudy. But now I'm looking like I have some, some off-season rankings I've been doing. I have them. I literally have them next to each other in my rankings. I have Brooke Lopez at 48 and Gobert at 49. So I would say it's a little bit of a toss up. Hmm. Yeah, I think the thing, though, is like, so let's say we're taking them for next year, right? Next year, you're a team that's shooting for the for the finals, right? You're shooting for a ring. The issue with Brooke Lopez is the age. The age really scares me because if we're talking, you know, next season, he did so he missed all of or not all of but almost all of two years ago with back surgery right i think he played in a handful of games and he played in the playoffs and he actually played pretty well but yeah he played in 13 games in 2022 missed all the time with back surgery seemed fine seemed good to go in the playoffs and then last year obviously plays almost the entire season plays 78 games it's almost all of them and then plays at a really high level averages 16 points a game which again really really strong 
and then obviously provide great defensive impacts. So if they, oh, Brooke, actually, I thought Brooke was a little bit older. He's going to be 35. I think I might have said he's going to be 36. So he's going to be 35, but that's kind of the cliff for most like normal non-Hall of Fame players. It's hard to stay in the league beyond 35 just because, you know, father time undefeated. Gobert is a little bit younger. I think I'm going with Brooke Lopez here for the three-point shooting, right? Because he was 37% last year, 36% the year before that. Then a couple down years, but over his career, he's almost 35% from three, which is pretty valuable out of the center position and coming off a year where he did outperform Gobert. And I think things are going to go a little bit better in Minnesota next year, right? Cat, you know, pairing him, trying to figure that out. Cat misses time with injury. And things just, it's, they didn't seem to like be clicking last year for the Wolves. I know that they ended up making the playoffs. So, it wasn't all terrible, but expectations were a little bit higher. So I probably would go with Brooke Lopez. Give me his age 35 season. Yeah, I'd maybe go with Brooke for one more year. I would probably pick him. But if it was like over the next three years, I would pick Gobert because of the age. But uh, it will be interesting to see how those guys kind of stack up at the end of the year. See if they swap five Gobert a higher rate maybe at the end of the year, depending on their performance. So that was our first question. Let's move to the next one. This is from Overanalyze MBA. Do you feel like LaMelo playing in Charlotte will limit his ability to turn into a superstar player? Mm, that's a tough question because he's already pretty famous. He's pretty relevant, obviously, because of his brothers and his dad. Going to Charlotte definitely hurt that. Had a pretty buzzy first season. And then I think it was two years ago they were in the play and That was exciting. And then last year, they were just, frankly, a really bad team. I actually went and saw them. And let me tell you, I was watching warm-ups, and I was like, this is not, this is not an impressive <laughs> warm-up shooter. It was my first NBA game ever. And it was before the Lakers traded Russell Westbrook, so they were pretty bad. And then Charlotte was one of the worst teams in the league. It was a couple days before Christmas. And the, the shoot-around for both teams, it was like, ooh, man, I've never been to an NBA game, but I thought this would be a little bit better. Um, will it stop LaMelo from being a superstar? I think yes, right? I think just being in Charlotte, it's a difficult market to be a huge star. Again, it helped going in. He was known, right? He was a known name. He still is. He's still a good player. I think he, surrounded by better talent, would make an all-star team, right? He might have. Did he make one already? Oh, he did make an all-star. He made an all-star in his second year. All right. Well, my, my point was he'd be playing on an all-star level, right? And I think we saw in 2022 when he had pretty solid teammates, they made the play and he was playing at an all-star level. He averaged 20 points a game and seven and a half assists. And we're not really like box score watchers here at Basketball Index, but that's a pretty solid line for a point guard, right? And you saw last year, it's like, it's basically, he has Terry Rozier, who's like a pretty good player. He has PJ Washington, who's a pretty good role player. And then outside of that, they don't really have anything they have some young guys that you know might become something might not but other than that there's just not a lot of nba caliber talent there so it's a little hard to figure out what's going on but i think he's probably an all-star level player being a superstar i don't think ever is going to happen in charlotte just because the way the market works and the way the team has performed just historically like they're just never very good I think that they just get sold. Michael Jordan just sold them. Maybe a new owner comes in, spends a bunch of money or something. I don't know. Maybe embraces analytics and can find some, you know, some gems in the in the rough. But I do think it limits him from being a superstar. I wonder. I wonder how many more years he stays on Charlotte because 
that that does limit his ceiling from like a marketability and a winning because like again if you win a bunch of games you're going to get a lot of deals off the court and then Lamelo obviously is is so famous already where like you know you trade him to a big market team like the Clippers or something like that and that obviously changes everything changes his whole world so I do think being in Charlotte does limit him from being a superstar and I think it actually just makes him really hard to evaluate because he's playing with like a lot of like fringe NBA players and that's gonna hurt your performance just like very very simply it's it's hard when you're playing against a good team when your team is not very good um next question most overrated player in the league Ooh, most overrated player in the league hmm let me go to my rankings this is a tough question because you have to kind of gauge how good everyone thinks everybody is and that's sort of hard but I would say I think it's going to have to be Jalen Brown. I feel like this is the Jalen Brown hate podcast. I feel like I've had him um, in unfavorable lights a lot of the time. I think I had him as the worst contract in the NBA because he signed that huge extension. But basically, I have Jalen Brown as like a top 40 player. So I was higher on him. I think I had him uh, quite a bit higher in my rankings last year. And I was excited about him. You know, I thought he had good scoring punch. I thought he had improved at the mid-range this year. And I thought that was going to carry over into the playoffs. Because again, it's not like he's been a bad playoff player over his career. Like they've had success. He's been a part of that. But his inability to continue to level up. Because, you know, for better or for worse, the way that rankings work, especially in the NBA, if you're under the age of, I don't know, 28, there's some level of projection still where it's like, there's an assumption that this player is going to get better. Like Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain is already a good player. He's an extremely good shooter. He's a, a positive defender. He is a, a quite a good player in the league. But some amount of his ranking is projection of like, okay, he's already good at the important things. Now, because he's only been in the league a few years, I think he's going to continue to get better. And that's why I have met the 31st best player in the league or whatever it may be, right? Other players are going to have him in different spots. But with Jalen Brown, we're kind of running out of time on that projection, right? Where it's like, how close are we to just getting like, this is what Jalen Brown is. And again, not a bad player, right? Not a bad player. Averaging 20, almost 27 points a game on league average scoring or historically a little above league average scoring. Like that's a pretty good player to be able to do it on that volume. But the limitations, the playmaking is pretty much non-existent, right? for the position he plays like there are some assists coming out of him but it's all kind of based off of scoring gravity and basically what it kind of came down to with me was one of the things I really liked about Jalen Brown was when the offense is slanted against him right he doesn't have the ball the ball gets swung over to him he had been a pretty good three-point shooter but that's kind of faded the last two years and his ability to attack closeouts was, I thought, one of he was one of the best players in the league in terms of attacking closeouts, getting to the rim, finishing, and then now adding in that mid-range game that I kind of liked last year. It was like, okay, there's like it's like shaky, but like you could kind of see the three-level scoring. But uh, the more I thought about it, it was like, okay, he has to be in an advantageous position to excel as a player. Where it's like, that's not a bad thing, right? You you obviously, you want players to where if you put them in the right situation, right, they're going to excel. But with Jalen Brown, he's been surrounded by really good teammates in Boston for pretty much his entire career. 
And he doesn't have to be the main guy because Tatum's there. And, you know, they just have really good depth. They have Derek White. They have Al Horford. They have Rob Williams. They had um, Marcus Smart. They just traded for Pazingas. He's been surrounded by talent his entire career, right? But the thing that, like, makes you a top 20 player or whatever it may be, top 30 player, is, like, your ability to just make things happen, right? That's why you have guys like Darius Garland or Kyrie Irving or Tyrese Halliburton above them because it's like they can just from the stop, just give them the ball, and then they can make something happen, whether scoring for themselves or creating that advantage for others. The lack of advantage creation for others really hurts Jalen Brown. And, like, yes, there is some isolation scoring to his game, but he just isn't – he just, like, isn't good enough at the things you need to be good enough at to be a really good player. His on-off date is not great. Like, it's not a great indicator. So I'm not a huge on-off guy. I think it does have value. I don't think you should place too much value in it because, like, there's a lot of factors. But, again, not a bad player, right? Not a bad player. A difference maker for sure. But we've seen it. If we think Jason Tatum's as good as we think he is, right? Pretty good. Easily, like, most people probably have him in the top 10. I probably have him in the top 15, then you're surrounded by some of the premier role players in the league, right? In Derek White, in Marcus Smart, in Rob Williams, in Al Horford, right? This is one of the deepest teams and has been for a number of years in the league. At a certain point, it's like we're either wrong about Tatum or Jalen Brown. I think we're a little bit wrong about both of them. And yet I still think they're both good players. I still think Jalen Brown's probably a top 40 player, but I think there's a there was a lot of buzz. And I think I was maybe a little part of that buzz where it was like, can this guy get into the top 25? You know, how old is he? What can we see? Because he's gonna be he's gonna be in his age 27 season next year. This was his age 26 season. And like I said, there were things to get excited about. His two-point percentage, which is like the when I just run through players really quickly, right? It's like, all right, how many points you score in? What's the assist numbers at? What's what are you from three point? What are you from two point? Just really quick, what's your free throw rate? That's my the quick and dirty, just like two minutes. Let me ballpark where this player is. And it was like, okay, the free throw rate continues to go up. That's really exciting. The two point percentage has continued to go up for three years now. That's very exciting. Unfortunately, the three point shooting has kind of fallen off a cliff. If he just would have sustained being like a 37. Point three point thirty seven percent three point shooter right it doesn't have to be amazing at it that's where you start to get the positive efficiency and like really start to elevate that scoring game and you know it starts to look more like a like a true three level score not just in certain years he's good from you know you know one and two other years one and three whatever it may be if you kind of just all put it together maybe next year's the year where he does and you slide him up the list a little bit but again you're a scorer. And you're not that good at scoring, right? The volume's there, but the efficiency is it's league average. And you don't really do anything else amazing. It's it's that's that's a recipe for being an overrated player, right? I'd say that's that's the best way to become an overrated player. Volume score, okay efficiency doesn't bring a lot else to the table. And like we've seen him be good at defense. I don't think he's bad at defense, but the years of like the big defensive impact. Right. That's a few years ago. That's like three or four years ago. And I know some of that's just having like a smaller offensive load. So you have more energy to play defense. But at the end of the day, you just need the impact total on offense and defense to be at a certain level. And Jalen Browns just really hasn't been there. So I think that would be, for my money, the most overrated player in the league. Also playing on Boston, that's really going to help because 
it's such a it's like it's like being on the Lakers, right? If you're on Boston or Lakers, you're just going to be more elevated from a a new standpoint because they're huge markets that have traditionally been really, really good. And that's just kind of the nature of the game. It's kind of how it goes. All right. So this episode's getting, we're getting kind of long here. I want to get to Christian Wood. We'll do another question and answer episode to get right to, there's, there's a few more, but uh, just don't really have time for it. I wanted to get into the Christian Wood signing. So Christian Wood is an interesting player. He's a guy that was on like the Rockets and I think he really popped in fantasy right where people were like okay i'm pretty interested in this guy because it seems like there's a lot of blocks coming out of him and a lot of like hitting of three pointers which is a pretty exciting combination in the league and like one of the reasons brooke lopez is such a valuable guy we talked about at the top of the show but christian wood i think the easiest way to describe it is he's like carl anthony towns light right where he is a a big that can stretch it. That's a good three-point shooter. He's 38% for his career from three, Christian Wood. That's that's legit, right? The three-point shooting is legit. It's been on pretty good volume the last few years, shooting four or five a game, right? And he's able to score. He's averaging 15 points a game for his career, but that's been up the last few years. It's 21 points on Houston. Like I said, there was a year in Houston where it was like, holy crap, this is really valuable for fantasy, I guess, two years, where it's like he was averaging 21 points a game, he was averaging over a block a game, and he was hitting, he was taking five threes a game, hitting him at 37.5%, right? Where it's like, that's a fantasy monster right there, and I think that kind of got him on everybody's radar. Carl Anthony Towns light, he can stretch the floor, he can score, he's a really good role man, he can post up. The offense isn't really the problem, right? He's going to provide good offensive impact. In my model, he was very similar to Harrison Barnes last year, uh, Kelly Olynyk. These are, again, kind of stretch four players. Again, good offensive player, but the problem is defensively, he's not very good. Yes, you are going to get some rim protection out of him, right? He is going to block some shots. He is going to alter some shots at the rim, but just overall, not a very good defensive player, not a very good rebounder, doesn't have the greatest awareness in the world, doesn't always stand in the best places. Like I was talking about this, like Tim Duncan, for all the things he was amazing at, he just stood in the right spot the entire game, every single game for like 20 years. And that's really valuable when you're a big guy, right? Standing in the right spot. Christian Wood just like doesn't excel at anything really on defense other than blocking the occasional shot but when you're 610 and like you have pretty good juice in your legs that's just going to happen he's a four you i don't playing him at the five like just doesn't make any sense we're like sure i guess your offense does get kind of crazy but your defense is going to be so bad you're just going to be giving it all back so i'm interested to see maybe the d'angelo russell connection uh the lebron connection in la austin reeves feeding him passes on pick and rolls because again Really good player at that. He can play with Anthony Davis because he can stretch the floor. So basically, like, people are like, you can't play two bigs anymore. It's like, well, you can play one or you can play two if one of them can space the floor, right? Then it's not really an issue on offense because you don't have the clogging. It's actually good on defense to play multiple bigs. Your, your defensive rating pretty much always gets better. So Christian Wood can play alongside Anthony Davis. He can play alongside LeBron. I guess the, I would be interested, are there going to be lineups where all three of them play together? Because that's a that's a really big lineup. And then I guess you just have LeBron on the perimeter. Because again, you don't want Christian Wood on the perimeter. He's not good at it. What's crazy is like it's like, does Anthony if you had somebody else that could 
that was a better interior defensive player. I'd be like, is Anthony Davis the best of the three guarding on the perimeter? It's like probably, but he's so much better around the basket. You wouldn't you wouldn't pull him away. Um, but it gives good flexibility to the Lakers where if they do want to play small with Christian Wood, they I guess they can for stretches and they could play him at the five and LeBron at the four and you just go small. You have a lot of three-point shooting. But he offers really good value. His contract is like it's either a league minimum contract or it's right above it. And I had him in my model as like a top 60 offensive player last year. Because, again, the offense is legit. It's really good. The defense is really bad. And that's why he's kind of like cat light where it's like, okay, they're kind, they're bigs. They can shoot. They can score. They can't really play defense. They're going to block shots every once in a while. So I think, well, the one thing with Christian Wood is like, again, we don't really talk about the locker room stuff on this show very much, but there's a reason Christian Wood was a free agent till Labor Day, and he's a a big that can block shots and shoot threes and average like 18 points a game in the last few years. It's because from everything I've heard on the internet or read or seen, not the greatest locker room guy, not the greatest attitude guy, and that's not great for your stock when you're trying to get signed because – Probably Christian Wood, if you like 2K, right? Or if you're just looking at his LeBron or whatever it is, he's much more valuable than a league men player. Like it's not even close, but there's a, there's, a, you know, people start talking to you about the league. You start getting a reputation that really dings your value. So Christian Wood, I think ultimately is a good signing for the Lakers because I actually think they needed more three point shooting because the way their roster works right now is outside of, outside of their guards, right? They have they have pretty solid three-point shooting at the guard positions. But outside of that, you have Rui Hachimura at small forward with Jared Vanderbilt. Neither of them historically have been able to really shoot threes. Hachimura got hot in the playoffs last year, which was great, but there hasn't been a regular season sample of that. You have LeBron, obviously, in who can shoot threes. And then you you don't really have anything else from the forward position that's like a real spacing threat. And then like, I don't even know if the Lakers have a backup five right now. So beyond their guard positions, they didn't have any reliable three point shooting Christian Wood, very good shooting big. So from a need standpoint, it makes sense from a, how's it going to work on the court standpoint? I'm not really sure. I don't think he's going to play that much. Right. He's been playing like uh, about like 28, 29 minutes a game the last three years. I think that'll dip. I think he'd probably be in the low 20s, but I think there will be a, a kind of battle for playing time between him, Vanderbilt, and Rui at maybe the four when LeBron goes to the bench. Because if you play him with Anthony Davis when LeBron is on the bench, it's like that. that's a really interesting dynamic four and five that D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves can kind of play with. I like that a lot. So... I don't know. Maybe we'll just kind of see him more because I think the idea is like, oh, you give LeBron the spacing for and his passing is just going to, you know, light up the scoreboard. But I actually think he might make more sense as more LeBron's backup to play when you go stretches needing more offense. Because like the thing is, traditionally, when LeBron goes to the bench, whatever team he's on, it's like, how, how do we figure out enough offense to stay afloat during these stretches? And I think Christian Wood at the four, AD at the five is a really good combination because then your guards have a lot to work with in terms of role threats and spacing threats. So 
that's that'll be an interesting combination. I would actually like to see Anthony Davis shooting more catch and shoot mid rangers. I think the three ball, like you probably move beyond that at that point of like of this point in his career because there was a little peak there where he was like thirty three percent, but that's kind of faded the last few years, and he's in his thirties now. It's probably not going to happen. I understand why you tried to make it happen in his career, but I think he's kind of got to let it go. But I think. As a catch-and-shoot guy from mid-range, I like. As a pull-up guy from mid-range, I don't really love, right? But if you had maybe Christian Wood in the corner and AD at the elbow, all of a sudden you could have a lot of space around the basket for D'Angelo Russell, for Austin Reeves to work, whether it's the pick-and-roll or just isolation, whatever it may be. I think you could have an interesting blend of spacing from your two bigs. So... I don't know. We'll see what it looks like with Christian Wood. I think we're running out of time in this episode. Um, It was good to get to some uh, listener questions. Always fun to answer those. Kind of go around and maybe things that aren't big enough for an entire show. Just kind of to kind of jump on real quick. But uh, thank you for the submissions. I know we we had a few more that we couldn't get to, but we'll do another Q and A probably this off season because you know things are getting slow. We're we're just kind of waiting for preseason now. But uh, you want to talk to me uh, about uh, basketball at Taylor Metrics on Twitter, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast.